Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at newbalance.com. Today on In Soccer, we trust we're taking a deep dive into one of our opponents in the World Cup. No, not England. We'll have plenty of time to talk about them soon. But we're going to be talking about Iran. And we're going to discuss one of our opponents for an upcoming friendly known as Uruguay and our Nations League draw and reports of the Copa America potentially coming back to the States in 2024. So hit like, hit subscribe, and hit us up in the comments because it's time to get after it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another exciting installment of In Soccer We Trust. I got out my megaphone because that's what I do. I'm your host with the most, Jimmy Conrad, alongside two of my favorite former U.S. men's national team teammates, Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. And we have a big show for you guys today because we are taking a deep dive into one of our opponents, not England, but Iran. And I think it's important that we take a deep dive into this opponent in particular because they have a lot of players that maybe a lot of fans aren't familiar with. So Charlie and Heath and I, we're going to go get a special guest. But before we bring him on to the show, Charlie, how are you doing? Great to see you as always. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm excited to get into this Iran and, and figuring out what do they think about us? And yes. how do we match up? How do we match up against them? Yeah, I'm kind of curious if they think we're not very good. Because I will say in 2014, when I was working with Kick TV, we took a trip to Ghana. We took a, took a trip to Germany and Portugal. And everybody there were like, man, the U.S. is kind of trash. You know, <laughs> you're like, wait a second. We're not that bad. And we ended up getting through the group of death. So that's a big middle finger to those fans that were giving us a hard time. Heath Pierce, great to see you as always. What's up? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I I, uh, I was uh, trying to rebuild a fence recently, and there is a lumber shortage. And I can see where it all went. It went to Charlie's background. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, if you are out there having to pay double price, if you're if you're if you're just listening to this in in audio form, uh, Charlie took all the wood uh, and put it in his in his backdrop, which is just another nice. sign of Charlie's ultimate nice. wealth. But like I, nice. outside of that, I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about Iran. I grew up with a lot of Iranians in California. Jimmy, I'm sure you did as well, uh-huh. being from from California. Uh, so I'm excited to uh, to talk about it more today and everything else we're going to talk about. Good to see you guys. Yes, great to see you, see you both. I'm excited to get into, of course, this upcoming friendly news and our Nations League draw. We haven't discussed that yet with all of our adoring fans that are hopefully hitting like and subscribe and turning on notifications and leaving us comments. And if you're listening to us on podcasts, hitting the five-star review and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. That would be really nice. Now, let's bring in our special guest. I brought my drum, everybody, and my megaphone. 
Okay, his name is Arya Oliverdi, and he runs shop for Golbizan, a Iranian podcast. And we're excited. He lives in Scotland, by the way. So he's got it all working for him. Arya, great to see you as always. How are you doing, my friend? Thanks, Jimmy. I really appreciate your time uh, for getting me on your, your podcast. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. And hopefully we can uh, discuss some uh, some good things. Okay, let's start here. Let's start with World Cup qualifying in Iran. Because you guys, I mean, I don't think you had any respect for any other people out there. Their families, you just absolutely mm. tore through it. And you did what you had to do to win your group. You beat South Korea to be top of the table on your side. Now, you also have a, a manager in uh, Dragan Skocic. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. 17 games in charge, 15 wins, one loss, one draw. This guy is pressing all the right buttons. But let's talk about World Cup qualifying for Iran. Tell us what you guys did well and, and players that we should probably be keeping our eyes on over here. Well, the qualification started with a uh, previous coach, Mark Wilmot, who is from Belgium, obviously a legend of Belgian football, of course. Uh, he came in. He didn't uh, replace Carlos Kairos uh, well. He, he lost two games uh, against um, Iraq and Bahrain uh, in the second round of qualification. And then uh, Skocic came in. He kind of helped us get past that second round, took us to the final round of qualification where we played South Korea, Lebanon, Iraq, UAE, so on and so forth. We got through that uh, qualification quite comfortably, as you said, you know, wins pretty much all round except one loss to South Korea. Um it was an easy group for Iran, there's no doubt about that. But I think uh, although the results on paper make us look like we were like, just destroying everyone, it wasn't the case when you actually go and watch the games. Iran, results-wise, got it, got through. But performance-wise, there was a definite decrease in performance compared to the previous qualification mm -hmm. for the 2018 World Cup, where it was although we had less points uh, in the final standings, we definitely performed a lot better. We didn't actually, we actually beat South Korea as well in that qualification, whereas this one it was a draw and a defeat to them. Uh, so overall, um, it's great to get to the World Cup third time in a row for the first time ever. Uh, so it's great, but there's there's not as, you know, the question marks are still there. Is Are we performing to the highest level that Iran mm -hmm. should be, you know? I got a question for you here. Uh, you know, I grew up with a lot of Iranians. I know the way in which they 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 see the game as fans and, and and that type of thing. But for people that don't know, what 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 should we expect in terms of the style of play? What is the approach? You know, and and when you look at it from from your lens for for Iran in general, how do they look at the group now that they've been put into for this World Cup? Um, for me, you know, again, comparing it to the previous World Cup, we had Portugal and Spain in our group, a very tough group. Um, we did well to get through, you know, those games, not conceding that many goals, only conceding one against Spain, one against Portugal. Uh, even in the 2014 World Cup, we only conceded a goal against Argentina in, in the last minute of the game. So, you know, we have that experience of, you know, we've been against tougher teams than USA, all due respect, you know, you, you, in Portugal, Spain, Argentina are very, very strong teams in the world. So we know we have that experience going into this competition. And of course, the US have had tough opponents as well. So it's not to say they don't, they don't have it, but um, the adversity Iran has come through in those games really, I think, uh, puts Gibbons a little bit more edge in, in, the, in this, in this uh, World Cup. Um, looking at the group, England, of course, are the favourites. There's no doubt about that. Um, but we're again comparing it to 2018, knowing that we've got USA, 
We had Morocco in the 2018 uh, World Cup as well. And now we've got potentially Scotland, Wales or Ukraine, who, in my opinion, are kind of on par with Morocco, maybe a little bit weaker, depending on the, you know, who they have, who they get, who gets called up for the World Cup. But I think the general consensus is from Iranians that we have a group that we have a chance of qualifying for that second place position uh, in, in the sort of in the, in the standings. I, I guess for me, it's you look at the the, the team, the Iranian team. Yeah. If you had to say, what is the strength? Because if you looked at the United States, you'd say, oh, the strength is is the midfield. That yeah. that midfield of Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams and mm. whether it's Yunus Musa or Gio Reyna, that is the strength. What who are, who are the, the the prime time players for this Iranian team that get this team to go forward? And and where is the strength? Well, of course, you know the, the front two, Osmond Taremi, uh, obviously Osmond at uh, Bayer Leverkusen in Germany now, and uh, Taremi, of course, at Porto, who, if you remember, obviously was uh, voted for the uh, Puskas what Award. A finish, Arya, what unbelievable a... goal, you know. <laughs> and actually, Iranians have a history of scoring unbelievable goals against Chelsea, uh, where I think Jahan Bash, uh, one of our captains, scored uh, one in the Premier League for Brighton. Um, overall, Iran's front two are the kind of key uh, for Iran in terms of scoring goals. However, lesser-known players, maybe like uh, Ezatollahi in midfield, or kind of our Busquets, if you will, is a very mm-hmm. important player. Actually playing just now for Al Garafa in the Champions League uh, against uh, an Iranian team as well. Um, we've got players in defence, uh, like Hossein Kanoni, who was very impressive in our qualification. Uh, got two assists in the last game. Our two goalkeepers, uh, Bayron Vand and Obidzadeh. Obidzadeh is... Uh, is the son of the previous uh, goalkeeper played against the USA in the 98 World Cup, uh, Ahmed Reza. But so this is the son who plays in Ponferradina in, in the Spanish second of the Liga. Um, and then I think overall, we've got a couple of players like Salman Godouz playing in Brentford, who, you know, if he plays, can be very impressive on his day. You know, hit and miss sometimes, sometimes he doesn't have the kind of form you, you want from him. Um, other guys like Koli Zadeh, who's a very impressive uh, player playing in his trade in Belgium. And, um, you know, we've got some players who can be good on their day, but it, it, it has to come collectively for Iran. You know, it's not just a case of we've got one or two players who are fantastic and that's it. It's a collective thing uh, for Iran. If it comes together, it's very good. If it doesn't come together, uh, the game against South Korea kind of proves that we do we do have a, a, a problem of crumbling against teams that put us under too much pressure. So Iran need to kind of understand as a unit, you know, that they need to to play together. They can't just be individualistic in, the, in, the, in that sense. Arya, this is great insight. We're going to email this interview to Greg Berhalter, the manager of the U.S. Men's National Team. <laughs> well, also, we are speaking, <laughs> <laughs> we're speaking with Arya Oliverdi, who is the heart and soul of Gol Bezan, which is Iranian football's first dedicated podcast Go follow G-O-L Besan on Twitter. So you make sure you get all the notes if you want to keep up to date on how they're feeling about things as they approach this World Cup. Now, Arya, my question for you, you, you list all these players and you do have two world-class strikers up top. What I find interesting when I look at your roster, though, is the ages. You got uh, Taremi's uh, 29 and and uh, Asmoon is 27. Your, your captain uh hashafi is is 32 i mean you got a lot of guys in that that really experienced like this is their Mm. probably last time to play in a world cup era for the most part that can you know in their peak in their prime and the u.s is slated to potentially have the youngest starting 11 at the world cup 
when 2022 hits. How much do you think that experience is going to play into it? And how much can you take advantage of that, knowing that you've dealt with that adversity that you talked before that maybe some of our younger players haven't really faced at this level? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, we have, uh, I think, three or four players that played in the 2014 World Cup. You just mentioned Hoy Safi, who's the captain, who I don't suspect will play a lot in this competition. Mm -hmm. He's not the kind of star player, even though he's a captain, he's not a star player for the team. Uh, Karriman Sarifard playing in AK Athens was there as well. Jahan Bash, mm -hmm. who's at mm -hmm. Feyenoord, was also at the 2014 World Cup. So there's a lot of World Cup experience. Almost a full team played in the 2018 World Cup, bar maybe like five or six of them. Um, which so I think makes a, a difference it makes a difference for sure. 100% 100% and I think the US national team um, I think is a very very uh, good team in terms of the quality they bring uh, as I everyone brings quality in the US national team. everyone has their own quality but mm -hmm. it's a case of again same, similar to the Iran team can they bring it together can they all come together and make a very good national team you know, and, you know, they've got lots of players playing in Europe, the US, lots of players playing in top clubs like Barcelona, Chelsea, Dortmund. Um, and they, these are very great things for a national team to have, you know, great assets. But will it come together? We'll see. You know, I think I think they've shown uh, glimpses in, in the qualification the US that sometimes they, they didn't play so well. Sometimes they played really well. Mm -hmm. You know, I think mm -hmm. the, the, the coach has to find that for, uh, you know, in, in come November. Um and I was actually saying on our podcast, our last podcast, that if you look at like the US national team's last 20, 30 lineups, starting 11s, they've changed quite a lot. There's quite a big difference between the very first one to the, the latest one to the ones in between. And that, for me, it, it's not great when you're leading into a competition. I'm not saying that's a, a negative because it's not because, you, you know, you've, you've got a large pool of players. But at the same time, uh, I think the US need to find that team as soon as possible within these friendlies from now till November. Yeah, and I think I think you know uh, Charlie, myself, and Jimmy agree that we're we're heading towards a best eleven, right? I think we're showing some yeah. depth. We're starting to see some consistency, at least across the back line, our midfield three. I think most of our positions are pretty. I wouldn't say locked, but what we talk also about is the next sort of six months, and because we've got this young squad playing time, and how that's going to alter who's going to be reliable in terms of their form? Are they playing uh, at the club level? Are they playing at a good club level? Are they challenging themselves? So I guess the same question is for you. You know, you you, you talk about Asmoon and these players who aren't playing that much. I mean, how yeah. important is the playing time for the team to be at their best versus saying, hey, we've got our best 11. And when they get into the national team, they represent in a way and playing time. Well, of course, we know it's important. Uh how how I guess how important is the next six months of development for these players versus knowing that you've you know the the players that you can rely upon in the national team? Um, the U.S. national team, the Scottish national team, English, Welsh, Ukraine will all come prepared. There's no doubt that the federations for all these nations have you know they have the funds to go out and and really prepare these national teams. The biggest issue with Iran. And this is not me just making, you know, you know, I'm just not, I'm actually saying this seriously for everyone agrees with me in Iran that the preparation for Iran, the last two World Cups wasn't enough. You know, we didn't do enough to really prepare ourselves. Although we played well, we could do a lot better. And if Iran don't prepare correctly uh, from now till November, there's going to be issues. But what does there's that mean? What does that, that mean, Arya? Like in so terms of preparing, preparing correctly, more friendlies. Friend, friendlies, we need to play friendly matches. And, you know, if you go and look at how many um, uh, FIFA days Iran has missed, just purely just missed, we haven't even like organized friendlies. 
because you just didn't have the time to do it or the federation were just too lazy to do anything it's ridiculous there's been so many of them missed mm. and i wouldn't be surprised i believe it's seven friendlies you can play from now till november mm-hmm. something like that i wouldn't be surprised if iran only play three or four or five <laughs> like that's that's how bad the federation is at preparing friendlies for the national team why that is i really don't know i think we are the number one ranked team in asia we are and so that's a big um you know marketing tool to to organize friendlies but the lack of that would be a real issue for Iran. and for you when you look at this u.s men's national team what what frightens you if you had to say yeah man if we play them i'm i'm a little worried or hesitant about this area of the field because the U.S. have X, Y, Z. I'll tell you one name. Yunus Musa, for me, is, is a bit scary in that position because I think, uh, as I said, Ezzatullah, he, our defensive midfielder, is not a guy who's going to chase players down. He's a, he's a guy who's going to pass the ball, he's going to take it, he'll sit deep. Yunus Musa will drive through the midfield and I think, a player like him can cause us a lot of issues in the middle of the park. I'm not trying to give uh, Greg his, uh, his tactics here, but just looking at the in the matches Iran have played, a lot of times we've had issues with quick players in the middle. You know, Hyun Min Son uh, causes some issues in the South Korea game recently, just from that middle of the park, and we scored mm-hmm. the absolute screamer. Um, goalkeeping error as well. But, you know, we've had issues in that position. I think also uh, the fullbacks. You know, uh, Dest and, and Robinson or Cannon, whoever it is, um, Yedlin, whoever gets forward in those wide areas. We have we have a little bit of a fullback issue in Iran. We do. Um, we're trying to figure it out still. Uh, but I think, you know, if, if, if we might need to play a centre-back in that position, you know, to cover that kind of defensive liability. So that those are kind of issues that I, I think Iran will need to address. Yeah, those are, those are, I'm making mental notes of this, Arya, so I appreciate uh, you giving us some, This is unbelievable we'll be, we'll be insight. We'll texting Greg after this. <laughs> no question, no question. <laughs> so so talk to me about kind of how the schedule's set up. You get to play England first, and we have the opportunity of playing Ukraine or Scotland or Wales. Mm-hmm. What does that mean in terms of your preparation? You play us last, very similar to what happened in 1998. You played the U.S. last. And fun fact, I played with Hodadad Azizi as a teammate when he came over and played an MLS for the San Jose Earthquakes. And that what year was, was that, Jimmy? What year was out that? Of control. He that came over to 1976. Oh yeah, you, you, Jimmy, what? did you come to my come hometown on, for that game? <laughs> you guys came and played a, uh, an Open Cup match in in, in, Modesto. in Modesto. Yeah, yes, did you come? Did, yeah. yeah, I remember because all I grew up with all these Iranians. That was like the game of the year. It wasn't Azizi anything else. Was, it was like, like Michael Azizi's Jordan. He's down, like the yeah. Michael Jordan of Iran, or he was at that time, and he scored against the U.S. in '98, and that was the third group stage game, and and really just put the nail in our coffin. We were already out, but that didn't help. And, and now we play you guys again in the third group stage game, which really could decide if either one of our countries goes through yep. to the next round. So I don't think it's going to be a game where we need a draw. I think it's going to be a game where both teams need all three points to secure that that spot into the round of 16. Yeah. Talk to me about how you're feeling about how the schedule is set up. And, and do you prefer to play in England first or would you have rather have played us or, or the other yeah. other three teams? I would prefer to play USA or the, the UEFA team first, to be honest with you. I think playing England first... Iran tend to go a bit emotional in these competitions and they try to go out and just, you know, you know, they try to be very resolute and, and stick to, you know, a game plan, which is great. But you, when that's your first game, you can kind of blow off a lot of energy. I really hope Iran, uh, you know, don't blow off all the energy against England and then go into that kind of UEFA game, you know, because we need to win that UEFA game. Ideally, that's the team that we need to try and beat. 
if we can beat that team, great. But having played England first, it could be, you know, a worrying sign. I really do don't think Iran will 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 be doing that though. Like we'll be just going, you know, full uh, effort into the England. I think we will try and sit back and defend and and you know sustain the pressure as much as possible, which can still be quite you know tiring as well. You know, it depends mm-hmm. how it depends how England play, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I would have preferred the US or a, a Scotland, Wales, Ukraine first. Yeah, you, you mentioned, Arya, sitting back, and we talk about the U.S. and where they're weak in terms of playing against different types of opponents. And I know that everyone except for the biggest national team sort of have to make adjustments. Uh, you know, how do you expect Iran generally to come out? Uh, in, in Like, who do you think they match up with well in, in the group in terms of style of play? And what style of play, I guess, specifically, you know, thinking for people who are trying to figure out how do we match up against Iran hmm. tactically, technically, in terms of the speed of play? I mean, what what is the general sort of footballing uh, style of play that we should expect from Iran uh, in the World Cup? Um, Iran will try to keep possession if they can. They will try and keep the ball uh, when it's appropriate. You know, I think if we lose possession, Iran will try, will need to sit back and defend. They're not going to, they're not going to go and press. There's not a pressing system for Iran in terms of going out and just winning the ball back as fast as they can. It's not what Iran do. They've not done that in, in the previous World Cup. They will try to sit back and just sustain. Uh, once they've won it back, you know, it, it really, I think it, it's a case of can we get it to our, our Osmond Toremi as fast as possible? That That's the kind of, that, that's been the game plan and qualification. Uh, it's worked in times. It's actually been very successful in the most, that's why we got through a lot of the games because we just got it to their, to those, to them. but of course, defenders are a lot, are a lot stronger now in the World Cup. So uh, I think a game against Scotland, for example, uh, that could be a very good game for Iran. Uh, tactically speaking, I think Iran could really just go out and, and just win that game quite comfortably. Like, that's that's the, the guy with the glass you know, accent. You know, I'm just saying it. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going gonna, gonna to lie. I think Scotland would be quite an easy opponent for, for Iran, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but then again, the US game, Iran will, it will be a very back and forth game. I, I don't think it, it, they will have everything their own way. The US, similarly, will have a lot of possession, but I don't know if I'm be honest with you. I don't know if US have a striker. You know that that's my my criticism. You and, you and me both. Yeah, that's, <laughs> hey, that's for us to worry about. Don't <laughs> yeah, you worry about that. That's our podcast. You know, yeah, maybe just about that enough. Don't bring on. it up here. You know, maybe you wanna you wanna loan Atari Miosman for you guys, but <laughs> we would take know, him. Yeah, I think it'd be great. But no, I think I think it's gonna be a back and forth game between US and Iran for sure. If for for the US fans that are are listening and watching. They're probably curious to know who could be kind of this unheralded player for for Iran in the World Cup. Someone who is kind of flying under the radar now. Maybe they're young, and the World Cup could kind of be their jump off the the moment where they shine. and And that's the player that's probably going to be needed to advance out of this group. Who who would it be for you? Um, it's a good question. Uh, as uh, Jimmy said, we don't have a lot of young players right now. Like we do have some players who are you know kind of still early in their in their national team careers, but not a lot of particularly young players. There's one player uh, currently at Hull City, uh, a good friend of mine as well, uh, Alayar Sayad Manesh, uh, just moved to Hull from uh, Zoria Luhansk uh, from Ukraine. Um, he's a player who's is 20 years old. He you know he's he's already scored a goal for the national team. He's a very exciting. Uh, young prospect, a lot of pace, a lot of strength and tenacity, likes to score goals, scored a lot of goals last season for for Zoria in the Ukrainian league and also scored against Leicester 
Uh, I think it was in the Conference League, I think it was, or maybe in the Europa League, I'm not sure. Um, uh, he could be a very important player for Iran come uh, come, come November. Uh, we'll see. You know, uh, he's not played a lot of games so far in the, in the Championship for Hull City, but it could be something for him to progress on to and aim for, for November to be his kind of his shining uh, moment uh, to, to come out. Yeah, he sounds like a super sub option right now. Again, I'm taking notes, Arya. So last question before we let you go and we appreciate your time. You're clearly, or as you mentioned, you're living in Scotland. You got the Scottish accent. Do you think Scotland has any chance of getting past Ukraine? Assuming that game goes on, I'm still not convinced it will actually happen. But then Mm -hmm. it'll be Scotland versus Wales for a chance to book their ticket into this group. Do you think Scotland can beat Wales as well? Um, The Scottish national team has really... You know, it's it's a lot better than it was before under Steve Clark, for sure. There's no doubt that he's brought in young players. The, you know, similar to Scotland, similar to USA, he's brought a lot of young players, a lot of young talents, uh, a lot of players now playing in Premier League, for example. But I don't know. I just I just don't know if the U, the Scotland team have just like what it takes, like to, to go to go to a competition and, and really show themselves. You know, in the Euros they did well against England, but after that they just didn't do anything to be honest with you and it's not a criticism for the players it's just a lack of experience mm-hmm. you know that's all it is that's all it comes down to and i'm not trying to to you know hate against my own country that that's not what i'm saying just the reality you know the players are not experienced enough and once this if they do get to the world cup that's going to be great for them and great for the the whole of scotland but wales are a very strong team uh, no, there's no doubt Wales are a strong team and they can really cause a lot of issues. You know, Gareth Bale looks really good for them just now. Um, I think Scotland have a chance to get through. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say they don't. I think they mm-hmm. do, but I believe the the favourites out of those three is Wales. Which is interesting. Wales haven't qualified for a World Cup since 1958, which includes players like Mark Hughes and Ian Rush and Ryan Giggs yeah. who have never played in a World Cup. Gareth Bale, maybe he can do it. Scotland haven't mm. been in a World Cup since 1998, so it'd be a big deal for either one of those countries, especially having a crack at England, knowing that they have them in the group stages. So Arya Oliverdi, we appreciate you so much for hanging out with us again. He is the heart and soul of the number one and only dedicated podcast, the Iranian football goal, goal based on make sure you guys go check that out. And are you going to have to have you back on at some yeah, point in the future? Absolutely. Because we want to see how many friendlies you actually play out of seven and how sharp <laughs> yeah, you think you're we'll going to be we'll before the world cup starts in November. We appreciate you, my friend. Uh, thanks a lot for having me on guys. I really appreciate it. Um, great to always speak about, you know, the, the world cup and the national teams. And hopefully we'll have you on Jimmy uh, on our podcast as well. I'm looking forward to it, and maybe I'll give uh, some insight. So, uh, yeah. I'll call Scotch. You know, I've got yeah. his number. So, I'll, <laughs> get, I'll, get, I'll give perfect, him a phone. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return here on In Soccer We Trust, we're going to get into our schedule with some friendlies in the Nations League and maybe the Copa America coming back to the States. Don't go anywhere. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Great interview. Let's start there, Charlie. I thought he gave us some great insight, and I honestly want to send this to Greg Berhalter. Do you feel the same? (laughs) Yeah. I mean... He's he's a top a top lad, um, <laughs> no. But I I, I love the insight he gave uh, on Iran and kind of the the problems that they they will try to pose on us, and also that they're kind of excited. Yeah. They, they 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 they're relishing the the chance at getting out of the group. They think it's a real possibility because they obviously don't rate us. Um, that highly Perfect. so that's right where we want teams yeah, yeah. not give us any respect it, it's a, it's a it, it reminds me of when we played egypt in the confederations cup that that type of uh similar type of style at similar type of players and very difficult to break down but once you do get that first goal it's open because because they're gonna come they're gonna leave themselves open yeah i love that i love it what'd you yeah. think about the I mean, the interview Heath? no I, th- I thought it was great i mean it it part of me looks at it through that lens of like, Hey, it's, it's, it's competition, right? There's not other than a group of death. You kind of like your chance. You're happy. Right. Uh, And so, but they, they are a very good team and, and, and they're, they're a confident team, but to hear, you know, I wanted to get into more questions about like there, what, what, what would be more difficult qualifying wise, you know, CONCACAF or, or, or what they had to go through. Obviously they had Syria and Lebanon, but they also had to get through South Korea. Mm -hmm. They had to get through Iraq. Um, which, which isn't United Arab Emirates, United Arab Emirates as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's not an easy run for them. And, and they, it's interesting because they, they kind of fit into the same categories as different issues, different age, Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. generations, but the same issues where on a good day, they like their chances on a bad day, the world cup is over. And I thought your question was great, Jimmy, about them playing England first, because again, so much of, of, of a world cup is about group play and how you navigate the yep. three teams that you're going to have to play against and what team you put up against them and the style of play. It's not just like, you know, England's going to go out probably the same against everyone because uh, they're England, uh, but the rest are going to have to play the, the the group stage game of like, how do you get enough points to get through? Uh, and so his insight was, was fantastic. I do worry about their playing time and the form that they're in because, you know, even when he talked about, you know, Gareth Bale being in form right now with Wales, if they were to go through, it is a lifetime away from the World Cup still. And, and that is a lifetime for a country like Wales in terms of, the depth mm-hmm. of the roster, the squad yeah. that they're going to actually put out in a World Cup. Uh, and I like that, that that while they they look at the U.S.'s – I'm sorry, I'm a little bit of a rant right now. The U.S. playing so many players, uh, they like that – they think that's a negative for the U.S. We now have a quality of depth that I think is like 16 or 17 deep. We've got an issue with our starting 11. Yes, we have a striker issue. But we've got a quality of depth that I like the idea if we lost yes. two or three that we're still competitive in games yeah. instead of going like, now it's our B team, you know? Wait, wait. One of my questions, too, was about their experience. That gives me some concern. They have players that played in the 2014 World Cup. He said the majority of their players played in 2018. And I feel like we're looking at this generation of players looking at 2022, like Iran looked at 2018. That's just going to make us bigger and better and stronger when all of our guys are mainly in their prime for 2022. We're looking at this as this is going to be a great experience so we can dominate in 2026. Absolutely. These guys are going to be ready, Charlie. I mean, these guys know what it's like to manage a World Cup environment, a game, uh, the different types of styles from, from different areas around the world. And I feel like that's where maybe some of their confidence comes from, whether it's against us or Scotland or and, and potentially get, stealing some points from England. Well, we all know experience 
matters and it counts Mm -hmm. and you can't put a, you can't put a value on it. Mm -hmm. Right. When you're, when you're comparing stats and you're comparing all these numbers and you're going through the analytics of the game, there's no value in price on experience right? Mm-hmm. and leadership and, and having gone through a, a World Cup uh, cycle before. So that that's the big leg up that Iran has going into, mm-hmm. the, into this World Cup. I, I also am kicking myself because I know we, we spent a lot of time on Cameron Carter-Vickers. He's in Scotland. I would have loved to hear oh, his that's take really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Cameron Carter-Vickers. And, and how well, we'll have him back on. Season. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to get his take on that. But um, that's that's where Iran is go- is really going to kind of use all of their kind of experience yeah. to try yeah. and, and and put put themselves ahead of the U.S. It, it's it's going to be interesting and and so such great insight. I love that he was afraid of Yunus Musa in particular. Just because <laughs> yeah. I, I love the, I love the sound of that. By the way, I love. I lo- the, well, I knew you know, you'd be big smiles because yeah, you're yeah. you're probably the biggest Yunus Musa stand that we have. Uh, that I know of. And and even though me and Charlie both love him, I think your love for him extends past that. All right. Well, speaking about our team, the CONCACAF Nations League draw has come out. And mm-hmm. Heath, you got your wish. You got El Salvador in the group along with Granada. What do you think we can take away from this, getting these two games? For me, it's almost not as much on the defensive side. It's more on the attacking side that we're going to probably have to break down a low block, which could be important for us, of course, because I think we need to find opponents where we can learn how to break through a high press, break through the middle block stuff or teams that are very good at kind of clogging any type of flow in the middle of the field, and then a low block where they just sit on top of their box. El Salvador, we only scored one goal against them over two legs. We didn't give up any goals, so I don't really worry, honestly, about the defensive side. And same with Granada. They're going to probably sit back as well. What were your thoughts about our Nations League draw? Yeah, this is what's interesting about the World Cup, right, is that you've got enough teams in there that believe and maybe are a quality that they – and, and and you both remember going into games where it's like, focus on us. Don't worry about how they're playing. Focus mm-hmm, on us, mm-hmm. right? If we do the things that we do best, we will beat this team. And that includes the tactics of how you play against them, but it's generally about like, make them adjust to our style of play. Let's dictate the style of play. And and I think hopefully that could play to our advantage against Iran, who, if you've been watching our games, goes, oh, if we're going to sit back against England, let's just sit back against the US too and make them have mm-hmm, to break mm-hmm. us down and we'll spring out with the exact strikers that he mentioned. Right. Uh, right. uh, that are some of the best in the world on the counterattack, we beat them that way instead of thinking like, oh, this is an opportunity to play against this U.S. side. And and so when I look at that, uh, these games, I again, like you, I, I think you mentioned it and you said it well, of uh, being able to play against teams that are going to make it very hard for you. Now, maybe not as much Granada, but the frustrations that come with Granada, who's being willing to to play physical, disrupt the game, play being maybe an unorthodox style of play, depending on what team they roll out in that one. But for an El Salvador side, I think it's another chance for, for if El Salvador were to play it in a, in a, in a simulation type way, we can't control the way in which they're going to play that game. But if they were to sit back and force us to have to, again, think in real time, make adjustments, find mm-hmm. ways to disrupt the team, to find ways to get goal scoring opportunities. And quite frankly, give us an opportunity to connect, hopefully Gio Reyna with a nine, or in a position where we can actually start to see a little bit of combination play. Like, I think those mm-hmm. things are the things that I really want to see out of this more so than it, only because I, I feel like there's maybe not, at least in my opinion, maybe not a lot more uh, that we can get out of those games, Charlie. I don't know what you're taking. Well, on that. Charlie, I was going to actually set you up with a nice segue there from Heath, which was, do you play your best 11 against the Granada per se, or do you try to maybe use that as a time or 90 minutes to maybe find some different types of relationships or connections or, you know, give a Carter Vickers or a Joe Scally or those guys maybe a chance to get out there and run around with some of the other players. I mean, what what are you doing if you're Greg Berhalter for these particular games? 
I, I think you you give players a chance as well. I mean, you have friendlies that are going to be extremely valuable. Where you're you, you're playing Uruguay, you're playing your best eleven. That's mm-hmm. no doubt. And then you can make substitutions and give players a, an opportunity within the game and w- within the adjustments that you see fit. But are you saying like seven, eight players? Are you talking yeah. like one or yeah. two that are bubble players, like a last look type of thing? I mean, how uh, how much? I'm talking yeah. like seven, eight real starters mixed with, you know, three, two or three of these potential change changes within that, that formation. Mm-hmm. I think you stick with your solid core for all those matches because this mm-hmm. is where it's saying, hey, these are my guys given – something crazy happens or an injury this is my core and i want them to to know where each other's uh, is at all times on the field you can play with your eyes closed like i want that type of chemistry um but it, this also brings up a, a point i think a friendly against a south korea w- would be extremely beneficial yeah heading, heading into this knowing that they've played iran twice you have the conversation with the coach you know and, and mm-hmm. kind of get a get a feel of what worked against iran and and I think that would be um, a good opponent as well. Well, interesting. Uh, we got to interview Greg Berhalter this past Monday on HQ, and I asked him about the friendlies, like what kind of opponents he'd be looking for. And he mentioned that he was going to try to get one from the a- Asian Federation because they or the Asian Confederation because of what you just said. And so I think that South Korea could be a viable choice. They're also looking at somebody in South Africa or South Africa, South America, and it looks like Uruguay might be one of our friendlies. In June, it's getting close. It's being uh, bandied about as a possible opportunity for us, which I think would be great. So I think it's a good test for the U.S. They're stacked in a lot of different ways. They've got plenty of experience. When I look at their team that played against in a must-win game against Peru, they had uh, Godin, who's the ageless wonder at center back. Jimenez, who plays at Atletico Madrid. Araujo is in the back line, plays for Barcelona. You got Bentaker and Valverde. Fatty Valverde for Real Madrid. Bentaker is now at Spurs. You got Luis Suarez and Darwin Nunez up top. And then you obviously got uh, Cavani, who can come in and, and maybe help if you want to push Nunez a little bit deeper out wide. I mean, they are they are solid, Heath Pierce. This is going to be a great opponent for us. You already mentioned that you'd play our best 11, or Charlie did, and I think you probably agree. Where do you think we should play this game? Do you think we should play it in the comforts of home, or do you feel like we should go to Montevideo and maybe play in Uruguay to, to see what it's like in, in that type of atmosphere? Yeah, I would love to see that as an away game. I mean, if not, then at home, I want to see sort of them deal with the ebb and flow of either, if you can't have an away crowd, have a home crowd. I think a neutral mm-hmm. venue um, kind of loses. It, 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 it. We saw that through the pandemic of even even actual games of empty stadiums of just it kind of loses a little bit of that pace and that steam. Like, won't that be what it's like at the World Cup? A little bit more of a neutral Yes, it's neutral. I mean, I don't think it'll be neutral. I think well, I mean, the yeah. U.S. has one of the, the, the largest traveling contingents, so I think we'll get that noise. And I think you generally get noise. Just at the, the buzz, Cup. yeah. Yeah, you get you get that noise. You get, and I think where the noise meets sort of the pressure of the World Cup, there's always that something. And when I think about you know who they might be playing against um, in this in this World Cup, depending on who can travel and to what countries. You could have some pretty pretty good atmospheres. Again, I mean, outside of like Argentina and a couple others, Argentina travels with a really large fan yeah, contingent for yeah. their national team, and you have really big kind of home atmospheres. It, it it will be loud and 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 tense, right? I don't I don't remember there ever being a World Cup game uh, for the U.S. where it wasn't loud and tense, regardless of who the opponent was or who was in the stadium. You know, it kind of people mm-hmm. tend to draw sides and pick a team they want to support in those games, and it's just loud. Uh, in general. So, yeah, uh, I, I just wonder 
you know, obviously we, we have in the comments, a lot of people think in the nation's league games are a waste of time. Like how you would design, if you could, the opponents, like who you would want to play against. Uh, if you, if you had the six games, who would you, who would you want to use those against if it wasn't, you know, the, if you didn't have the nation's league in the way? Well, I'll jump in first, Charlie. I'll say that I also asked Greg as a follow-up that I wanted us to play against a team that would be kind of England-like, a, a number nine, like a Harry Kane who likes to drop into midfields. And for us in our center backs and our outside backs have to figure out how they're going to deal with the advanced runners that are trying to run in between those spaces as Harry Kane. Do we follow Harry Kane into midfield or how do we handle? So why not play a team in your group? Is that bad? No, you, yeah, you, you can't, can't play a that. team in your group. Why, Why? No, hey guys? That's, Come that's on. like seeing the bride before you it. marry her. You can't do I that. I mean, MLS luck, does dude. that every preseason, guys. You know, yeah, all the teams yeah, right. that's, that's, you, know? uh, you, you can't know? do it, though. You no, I, 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 so there would be, I don't know you who that opponent suck, is. Dude. You guys suck. I'm, dude. Well, okay, sometimes you know. we do. But i just saying that, that I think there'd be some value in that. I know that Greg also mentioned that there was a chance, and I love that he's looking forward because I think you have to. You have to prepare for every eventuality, but they have a chance of crossing over. We have a chance of crossing over with Senegal. So he thought that there maybe could be a chance to have a friendly with Ghana, which is kind of funny because we always seem to play Ghana in a World Cup. So it'd be nice to just play him in a friendly before that. Chuck, what are you feeling on, on types of opponents you'd like to see? Uh, I, I'd like to see maybe playing against a Germany. Um, Ooh, that's a good if, matchup. If you look at Germany. They don't have a number nine either. Exactly. Not a good but, one. <laughs> but they have a, a nine who, who moves around. And whether it's Kai Havertz or Timo Werner. Yeah, right. We've seen them with Chelsea. They move around, right? And it's not the same quality as that's as a good Harry shout. I, I like mean, that one. There's, there's not too many, but then you look at Sane and, and Mueller, and it, it's almost like okay, if you look at England, it's you have Raheem Sterling and you know you, a list of four other guys that that can possibly fit down um, both both sides. So for me, that's probably a comparable opponent, one that you're going to have. I think the same level of 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 quality within the with the within the group. So, I'd like to see a Germany, even the Netherlands. I know they don't play with one striker. Um, we but, might cross over with them, so I don't think we'd we'd play the Netherlands. Yeah, Germ Germany would be a great shout. Germany would be a good shout. I like that one a lot, and I do want to address the waste of time playing the Nations League. I don't think it's a waste of time. Anytime our national team can get together and the group can get together, I also think it's important that we figure out ways to solve a low block because we've struggled with that as a team. And, and also, it allows us to have that opportunity to not get punished and play top, top teams every single time we step on the field. There are some exercises and sequences that we need to have success doing and getting that confidence to make it happen. I think it's important to have some balance. And all of, and we have to play these games. It's, it's also been a while, like a Granada, it's been a long time since we dominated. Like, not to say we will, but it's been a long right. time since we actually controlled the game start to finish. In a in a way that you we are in, and I that's think what people maybe, are clamoring for. So why like not Jamaica at home? Yeah. I guess in in World Cup qualifying yeah, yeah, last time I can remember um, of like uh, where we got to work on things. We dictated it. We controlled it. And maybe that's not going to be entertaining from a fan standpoint, but it's also good for the for the confidence once in a while to just play diverse points. Having said that, obviously you, I, I would pick probably a lot of other nations over having to play a Granada, but um, you know there are things you can set, get out of every one of these matches on some level. Yeah, and like think about it this way too. I mean, we look about Charlie this, scored against Granada. The J, well, yeah, you know, January camp. Like, if 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 you can't score against the Granada, can we expect you to score against the bigger nation? You know, I mean, if you can't go out and do it against the teams we should dominate, then that you could almost rule yourself out at times. I think it's sometimes it's a more of a lose situation for players that they can't have success uh, against some of the smaller nations, as opposed to a Germany, which is going to be a lot of us suffering collectively, individually and collectively, which is important as well. But I think having some balance helps 
Greg and the staff kind of figure out and get a more well-rounded idea of how players can perform in different situations. I think it's important, and I don't think we should just casually dismiss it because I think it's more important than that. Now, let's talk about this Uruguay team in particular, Charlie. I'll come to you first. They're really good up the spine of the team, which which they're going to challenge us in a lot of different ways. And they won the games that they needed to win. And I like that at the end. They, they have a little bit of that grit and character. Obviously, they've shown that over the years with this core of players. How do you think this particular team is really going to punish us? Maybe it's our center backs because with Darwin Nunez, who's crushing it for Benfica, Luis Suarez, Cavani, that could be a good exercise for us, especially if we're thinking about the Irans who have two top strikers that probably play both at the same time. You see a lot of teams, you know, Harry Kane's going to be the sole number nine, but Iran mm-hmm. will probably play with the double striker. Maybe that will benefit us by playing against Uruguay. I think we are we stand a better chance of defending a team when they play with a lone striker. Mm-hmm. We we saw Canada when they play with two. It, it's it's difficult because our outside backs get forward so often, right? And and especially if you have Dest, Anthony Robinson, I think will will be a little bit more honest. But still, they get wide and they're responsible for for bombing down the flanks. When you leave two center backs two v two, and and say it's Tyler Adams, 3v2 still, you're going to get pulled out of position. And we don't have the the quickest of center backs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I think from that standpoint, I'd rather play a team with one striker. I think that will suit us a little bit better. And Cavani, he's 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 not the striker who's going to get on the ball and beat you one by 1v1. He's mm-hmm. the striker who's going to make hard runs in the box. And if you give uh, Valverde or, or Rossi or Bentacore or De La Cruz time on the ball – they will pick him out, and you, and then you will be punished. So, I, I, I like the opponent. Uh, I love it too. I think it's good, great opponent. I, I love it because I think Valverde is is kind of like the player who who's going to be pushing the tempo from the midfield, looking to play in between the lines, and he's not necessarily the the Luka Modric right for Real Madrid, mm-hmm. but he's gifted, and I and I think it's it's a it's a good test for the U.S. Now, he played really well in the wing. In leg one against Chelsea, they yes. put him out there instead of Asensio. I was like, all right, this guy, he just covers ground. He makes it hard. He makes it difficult Absolutely. for you to play. And, and then if you give him some time and space, he can hurt you. So I'm kind of curious to see where Fede Valverde ends up setting up for Uruguay because he can play multiple positions. Heath, how are you feeling about that double striker and us kind of struggling with it? I'm glad Chuck brought that up because we don't do so well. And actually, when I looked at all the opponents in the Ocho in World Cup qualifying, Canada's the team that I felt like we struggled with in both games, whereas I can't say that for any other opponent that we face. Yeah, I mean, just that Uruguay in general is a test for us, which which you mentioned Germany, of, of, a, of a game where they're incrementally better in every position, at ju- just a little bit better in a lot of ways. I think we match up on them on, on the day, but that's a level to which we should aspire to have just mm-hmm. tactically, mm-hmm. technically you know, experience-wise, because this team's young enough to get to the Uruguay level, right? right. They're young enough to get good enough uh, to play against that. And then, yeah, I think about those the 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 double striker. I still continue to wa- almost wonder to to flip the conversation on to, to to us is would we ever work as a double striker? You know, would, no. would, would, you don't think so? <laughs> we don't even have one. How can we have two? <laughs> well, well, we do have one that can hold up the ball. I love it. You know, like I, I do like it, I just think about Ricardo Pepe in general or even Jordan Pifok of just having somebody closer or around them. That's not isolated on the wing where it's got to be for us to score goals right now. It's got to be seven, eight passes before we get anywhere near the goal. Right. Mm-hmm. Where there's not a lot of like being able to just 
naturally create and, and okay, Landon Donovan as a false, false nine or as a 10 playing under a nine where the ball would just, again, anytime that we've laid the ball off and we're now running out the field, I think has always been a good thing. Having said that, a two striker allows you to get into the channels and, and, mm-hmm, and make mm-hmm. more diagonal runs and things like that. But yeah, defensively, I think we struggle matching up one-on-one. We're better when we're balanced. Uh, if you're, if you're playing against a two striker system, do you go with a double pivot in front of that? That gives mm-hmm. you a little bit more protection. Yeah. A little box um, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know, but again, that's the diversity of opponent where we need to be able to make adjustments and maybe it is a little bit more of a test where, where, where you don't just play the defensive from the start and actually see how your team can match up against that to see if we've gotten better to see how now yeah. with, with, if it was Robinson and, and Zimmerman, how they could sort of, uh, be better balanced against a two striker setup and, and understand when one peels off the shoulder, to drop into the midfield, how your midfielders react, or if one's checking and one's going in behind you, how we're actually handling all of that because the yeah. game is very different. You don't see a lot of proper two-striker setups or even sort of hybrid two-striker setups anymore. No, I'm glad you brought that up because Zimmerman, Zimmerman didn't play against Canada in either one of those games, and I wonder what his influence may or may not have done. Maybe it wouldn't have changed anything, but uh, he does have some of that leadership gravitas that I think does keep everybody. But I don't remember, Jimmy, are, are those center backs ever having to get pulled in and out of positions very, very often, right? Mm-hmm, in, in those mm-hmm. games that Zimmerman did play. In games where you play against two strikers, you've got a lot of split-second decisions you've got to make communication-wise where you get pulled off for one second and you leave a five-yard gap in between the lines and you've right. got your second striker running into that space or now someone's trying to hold the line. There's a lot of things that go in into that between those center backs that they haven't had to face together yet in terms of being like, I got a man. Oh, I, I got a man. Now, now what do we do? You know? Oh no, I'm setting the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well that, that, and also England, you know, that's another number nine in Harry Kane that drops into the space. I mean, their, their runners come from inside outside to in, right. Cause they're running mm-hmm. more from the wing, but still, still that communication is going to be of the utmost importance to solve some problems. But I think we can all agree that Uruguay is a great opponent and I'm hopefully yes. they get that all uh, solidified and, and we get to see a great match between these two countries. Now talking about South American countries, there are reports that CONCACAF and Colmebol, the governing body of South American football, are looking to bring Copa America back to the States. They did it back in 2016. Yeah. I went to a lot of those games. It was a lot of fun. I'm sure you guys went to a few as well. I went to the finals, so I got to see Messi lose. In a, you know, I went to three straight finals. I went to two Copa America finals and the World Cup final. And right. I feel like, oh, yeah, I'm just saying, listen, it's a flex, but I also feel like I might, I have to be one of, a handful of people as a fan that went to all three of those finals. And I feel like I cursed Messi in some capacity, but anyway, go ahead. Heath, what you yeah, I was, I was going to say, <laughs> so would this be for the, I guess the 108 year anniversary? Cause I know the, <laughs> yes. centenario, the centenario was for a reason. The centenario plus, plus, plus eight or something like that. Is that yeah, what the, the centenario the, uh, does that translate into cash? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. is that why they did it? Why the are US? they coming to the U S for this well, one again? Uh, so, so do you, so here, if the U.S. was going to participate in the 2024 World Cup or Copa America, would you prefer it was in South America for us to kind of get that type of tough experience? Or do we prefer to have it in the U.S. because we're w- hosting the World Cup in 2026? Charlie, what do you say? I would want it in South America. Yeah. Okay. I played I, in the 2007 Copa America. So did you, Heath. Wait, you yeah. were on the roster too, Charlie. We were all there. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. I mean, that and was just, unique because we had helicopters flying over our head. That just clicked for me. Like, all three were on. The, I was like, oh, shit, we were all in the Cup of America together. Yeah, you know what happened, guys? We didn't We didn't bring what uh, Commonwealth thought as 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 our best team, and they were kind of like, we're not bringing the U.S. back if they're going to send yeah. this. I mean, it was oh, right dude, after the Gold I, Cup. But, I had but, to yeah. do the press conference after we lost to Argentina, and that was the number one question, and Bob didn't want to answer it, so I had to take it. And I was like, 
we th- we have good players and we're always here to win. And it was, I got emotional and cameraman's like, dude, you got to tap the brakes. We had a fantastic anyway. first half though. I'll tell you that. We were very good. We were, we were up one zero in Argentina. I won't tell anybody the final score. You can go look it up for yourself. You cheeky bastards. But anyway, 2024 Copa America looks like I, I'm down for it. U S and Mexico look like they're slated to play in it. I'm sure Canada might get an invite as well. That makes sense to me if they're going to bring it, especially stateside to get them involved. Cause they're going to be part of the hosting gig of 2026. I'm excited. If it com- if it comes to the States, I'd be excited, though. I almost prefer it in South America as well. I heard Charlie's vote on that. Would you say, Heath? Yeah, I prefer it in South America. I think just more and more uh, challenges. I mean, the U.S. did pretty well in 20, uh, 2016. Yeah, geez. Lost to Argentina, uh, right? Messi yeah. scored an absolute banger of a... What started off with a what? Was it a win against Chile or was it a draw against Chile? Um, I think... Uh, Colombia, no? The very first game of 2016, U.S.? I can't remember. At, at Levi Stadium, I was oh, there. I don't know, but no, I had been on good. kind of a. I thought it was Colombia. Was on the Columbia? Yeah, probably. Um, that makes sense. But yeah, either either way, I think playing at home is going to bring a very different type of crowd. Where we naturally, as the U.S. national team, have a chance to do more than we would if we were in a much more extreme or foreign or faraway environment. So I'd like to see him in in that environment again. Um, so. Yeah, we lost to Colombia 2-0 at Levi's. We beat Costa Rica 4-0 in Soldier Field. And then we beat Paraguay in Philadelphia 1-0. I don't remember anything. uh, Yeah, yeah, you are making stuff up. To be honest, dude, I had a kid all all the way and all that. We beat Ecuador 2-1 in the quarterfinals in Mm -hmm. Seattle. And then we lost Argentina 4-0 in the semifinals in Houston. I was at that game, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that one was good. So do you think this is... This is the type of games that we need, Chuck, right? We need to get these types of meaningful games because we don't have any qualifying to ramp up to the World Cup we're hosting. I feel like that's Absolutely. the sacrifice you make of hosting a tournament is you don't have any meaningful games to get into it. It's, it's a no-brainer because of the level of quality that you're going to be facing every game, every match. And I, you want to be uncomfortable. You want to be, be in those environments. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were in Venezuela, I was thinking, this is incredible. When we played... Argentina in that first game and all the fans and that that Argentina team by the way is might be one of the best. How did they lose? They ever. lost in the final to a, not a great Brazil team three yeah. zero. But they, I mean, yeah. they what, were stacked. Oh, that was like one of the most stacked teams of all time. But uh, it, it it was it just gives you a different feeling and perspective that I think would be beneficial for the World Cup when you're playing on home soil. Yeah, man, I hope it goes to South America as well. I think it'd just be kind of fun to travel down there and, and see that tournament. But they'll excuse it, Jimmy, by like they don't have Confederations Cup anymore, you know, games of consequence. No, they got to bring it back. Cup. Uh, yeah. You so, know. so you think it'll be in the U.S. and Heath? I, I, I think it's got all of the makings from a financial to yeah, well, a finan- World Cup prep, US. World Cup prep kind of test run, dry run, that type of thing. Um, that was originally the, the, the Confeds Cup. Right. 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 No, no, I think it'd be a great tournament. And as what Charlie said and what uh, Valentina said, and appreciate your support, Valentina, in the comments, that this is just a better caliber of opposition than just doing a bunch of friendlies for two or three years. So I hope that this happens. And and uh, I look forward to seeing how our boys perform in, in a tournament that South American teams take very, very seriously. So I'm excited about that. All right, everybody, we're at the end of In Soccer We Trust for today. But before I get to final thoughts for Charlie and Heath, I want to remind everybody we're coming back at you tomorrow that'll be 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern so make sure you join us for that if you want to watch it live here on the youtubes or if you want to listen to it on podcast form it'll be dropping on your favorite podcast platform as soon as we get it flipped and turned 
around. Heath Pearson coming to you. Final thoughts. We had a lot to discuss today. Got into a deep dive on Iran, our upcoming schedule, the Nations League, Uruguay, Copa America. It's a nice, fun show. I appreciated it. Yeah, I I had every fact wrong on our Copa America in the U.S., so I apologize for that. <laughs> so you don't have to go to the uh, the uh, stat checkers to see if I got those wrong, so I'll admit that now. And then also, I, I, while, while the show was going, I was able to uh, go back and look at the U.S. versus Granada game where Charlie got that goal, and HP3 got that assist to Charlie. May, <laughs> may have changed, may have the, changed the uh, trajectory of Charlie's career. This was on uh, our, our uh, nation's Independence Day, by the way, which I didn't know until I saw uh as well so yeah just just a shout out to charlie for finishing that one off because i was cheating way up the field trying to get the ball in that one hey uh, salute, I, love it. Salute. I love it charlie final thoughts uh fantastic show i mean the fact that we get to have a perspective uh on iran um that was, it was incredible it's amazing uh there's not too many places where, where where they're doing that so that was cool um and then just talking about these upcoming nations league matches and the friendlies and the, the whole preparation, making sure that they're challenging themselves. And uh, and obviously hearing that you've spoken to Greg, it seems like they're already well ahead of uh, of that in, in their planning and preparation. Yeah, our big goal, everybody, just so everybody knows, this will be my final thought. We're going to get Greg Berhalter on the show. We're you tell him I said hi? I told you to tell him I, I said hi. Did I you did tell not. Him I said hi? And I, you know what? I wanted you to have the, the, <laughs> the okay. opportunity to do that. Did you tell yourself. him Charlie said hi? I know no, Charlie I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. But you know what? We're going to get him on the show at some point. We'll pepper him with a bunch of questions, not only from us, but from our great community that we're building here within soccer we trust we're going to make that happen that is a promise make sure you join us tomorrow everybody 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern or hit us up on the podcast or hit us up on twitter as well iswt pod so you can be entered to win any paramount plus gift cards that we're giving away in the future so on behalf of producer alex and charlie davis and heath pierce i'm jimmy conrad saying we'll see you next time later